In the name of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ, amen. Years ago, the Beatles had a song, Eleanor Rigby, with the refrain, all the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Loneliness, the thought that no one really cares about you, feeling alone in the midst of so many others. Perhaps this is the great plague of our time. All too often you can feel alone and unloved. You might have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but how many of them really are your friends? You might be at a party with dozens of people, but how many of them really care about your problems? You live in a world where you can receive a letter and a check from your business for years of service, but you know the letter was a form letter and the check is the same check that so many others get. You receive personalized emails or letters with a coupon or a coupon code, but you know it's just a marketing ploy. The business does not really care about you, only your money. A college student can be in a dorm full of students and yet feel totally isolated and alone. Many single people who desire to be married can be in their home or apartment lonely every night. There are widows and or widowers who now miss their spouse, the divorced who are now alone, the adolescent child who lives at home but feels increasingly lonely and left out, those in the hospital, those in the nursing home who feel like life has passed them by. There are so many lonely people, and often in loneliness, they retreat into social media, video games, pornography, drugs, or the numbing effects of alcohol. Loneliness is not just about being by yourself. After all, you can be by yourself a lot and not real feel, feel lonely. A father driving to his hard, hardware store while the family's at home is not lonely. He's getting something to help his family. Someone waiting at a restaurant for her friends does not feel alone, for her friends are about to come. Loneliness occurs when we feel like no one cares, and loneliness can be in a crowd. Day after day, night after night, you feel lonely and unloved without a true friend in the world. You can easily feel as if you do not matter and that life has passed you by. To you, to all of you, I point to Jesus, the one who truly cares for you, the one who loves you and gives you life. In today's gospel lesson, there is a verse that opens wide to you how much Jesus loves you. Now, John chapter 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's during and is at the end of the Last Supper, and Jesus closes the Last Supper with a prayer. Now, he knows that he will die on the cross the last day. In less than 24 hours, he will be beaten, whipped into a bloody mass, and then brutally nailed to a tree to hang naked before the world in humiliation and shame. He knows what lies ahead. So what does Jesus do? He prays. He prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. He prays for his disciples, and then 
This is so marvelous. This is our text today. He prays for you. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Jesus, knowing that his arrest is imminent and that he is facing death, prays for you. He prays for each of you by name. This is a marvelous verse as it opens up for you to see the love and concern of God's Son all the time for you. Christ's love for you is personal. personal. Christ's salvation for you is personal. His comfort for you this day is personal. Jesus prays not only for his disciples who are in the room with him, he prays for each and every person in his church, and that includes you. In this prayer, you get a window into the heart of Jesus. You get to see the love of Jesus he has for you personally, even at a time of difficulty. This verse tells you the intense love that Jesus has for you, and not just a general love that he has for all of mankind. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that it is easy to turn Christ and his salvation into a sort of a fact. You can hear about Christ's birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, as works that he did, just like you hear about the works by someone like a congressman or a senator. They are an important person, and perhaps some bill that they're working on will be of some benefit to you, but when they're working with their staff and drafting the bill, or speaking about the bill with their colleagues, they're not thinking of you personally. Neither is the factory worker at the auto plant thinking of you personally as they control the assembly of a new car that you will eventually buy. It is easy to think in a rather impersonal manner about Jesus being born, about his death, his resurrection, his ascension, but that's not the point of Scripture. This is all personal. Jesus does this for you and for all his people. But you, here you hear that Jesus is praying for you. He knows you by name during the Last Supper. He knows you by name when he goes to prepare a place for you so that you may be where he is. He knows you by name, even as he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, dripping blood from his forehead. He knows you by name as he is beaten, stripped, and nailed to the cross. He knows you by name, he knows your sin, as he gives up his life on the cross. He knows you by name, just as he knew the thief on the cross, to whom he gave the promise of paradise. He knows you by name as he rose from the dead, he knows you by name as he ascends to the right hand of the Father, where he reigns over his church until he returns. Jesus was praying for you during the Last Supper. He knows you by name. He cares for you. And this praying, this interceding on your behalf, never ceases. In Romans 8, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? 
Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for us right now before God the Father on the basis of his death and his resurrection for us, and that we are his baptized. We have been baptized into his death and resurrection, and now Jesus loves his baptized, and he'll never leave nor forsake us. Listen also in Hebrews 7. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus did not die and rise for his own sake, but for you. He did this personally for you, for me, for his church, that we would be saved from sin, death, and hell forever. First John chapter two, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. An advocate is a defense attorney. Jesus is advocating on your behalf right now on the basis of his holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, and that he is the resurrected and ascended one. It is easy, especially when one feels alone in the world, to think no one cares. It is easy during times of illness, during times without a close friend, during times when you miss a loved one, during times when you find, long to find a spouse, it is easy to be lonely and depressed and that your prayer is not being heard. It is easy in this world of murder and violence to think that our God is far off, that he does not care. But Jesus does care, and that is precisely why he is our incarnate Lord. At his last supper, Jesus prays for his disciples. He prays that the Father would keep them as his own. Now, notice Jesus will not pray for an easy life for them. Indeed, right now, in John 17, Jesus knows that all but John of his disciples will die violently as martyrs for Jesus. But he knows that what he promises is lasting, and that his love is forever, and his love is sure. You are not forgotten. In fact, the one person who truly has the ear of the Father and that the Father will indeed listen to is praying for you, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus continues to speak on your behalf to the Father. You are never alone. You are never worthless. Your life does have meaning. Jesus says so, and Jesus does so, if you pardon my grammar. Jesus does not pray for those he does not care about. Jesus does not pray for you as if his prayer did not matter. Jesus did not die for you as if you do not matter, your sin cannot be taken away. Jesus does not rise as if you do not matter and if his resurrection does not break the power of death so that you too will rise. Jesus does not continue to intercede for you if he does not want to return to take you to himself. You matter to Jesus, and you matter to your Heavenly Father, and you matter to the Blessed Holy Spirit. You matter so much that you are given a name, the name of the Lord upon you in the waters of baptism. Years ago, when I first read John 17 carefully, I was stunned 
when I saw that Jesus was praying for me and for you, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who would believe in me through the word. I realized that Jesus was praying for me at that evening, that evening before his death, before he went to die for me. Same is true for you. Jesus was praying for you that evening, and Jesus never stops. He never stops praying for you. He never stops being Jesus. He never stops loving you. He never stops offering forgiveness of sins and life eternal in his name. He actually knew you by name before creation, and he has prepared into eternity an eternal place for you, and he will welcome you by name. You never walk alone. You have Jesus, and Jesus loves, Jesus cares, and Jesus is with you always. Amen.